in a society where people of color were never even meant to survive, it's a middle finger to the system for us to be thriving. Um, and in order for us to thrive, we have to process and heal our trauma. So starting to do that and break some of those generational you know, cycles of trauma that we've been passing down, that's the way that we can thrive. This is Community Dialogues, a program for frank discussions about race, racism, and racial justice. I'm Rebecca Gutierrez. Our guest today is Kimberly Amazu, an African-American mental health counselor who helps people of color deal with racial trauma. We spoke about the various ways race and mental health overlap. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. So in the past six months, this country, you know, has faced a lot from COVID to the uprisings for racial equality. How does this affect mental health and how does it affect the mental health of the Black community specifically? Well, I think within the Black community and within communities of color, we've already um, been dealing and experiencing um, historical trauma um, and racial trauma um, and generational trauma. Um, And so I think when events current events, or we're currently still dealing with some of the issues that we dealt with historically, it just continues to impact um, Black and Brown mental health. Um, I think a lot of people don't even realize that things like racism and discrimination are actually uh, trauma. I mean, I think people realize they're bad um, and they're not great things, but I don't think they realize it in terms of mental health, that it is actually trauma. Um, So people don't, when they're discussing trauma, I think that piece about racial trauma is always left out or often left out. Um, And I think it's um, discussions that we need to start having and continue having that Black and Brown people um, really have um, specific trauma, you know, dealing with racism and discrimination in this country and around the world. Just going off that, what are some of the primary challenges faced by Black Americans when it comes to mental health? There's a lot of challenges. Um, For one, just, again, people not realizing that um, racism is a mental health issue. Um, So having entire groups in communities, ethnic communities that have been historically traumatized, right? And then they're not uh, being able to process that trauma. So then they're passing it down um, generations upon generations. So we have you know, for instance, African-Americans, which is my community, we're still processing through the trauma of enslavement um, that has not been processed within our community properly because it's not been addressed and or processed in society. So it's something that we're still dealing with. The impacts of enslavement still impact us on a daily basis and we're still being targeted. So some of those historical um, you know, racism that we're facing, we're still facing currently. So it's almost like we can't move past the trauma because we're still dealing with the historic trauma and it's compounding with current trauma. Um, And so it's like we're surrounded by trauma and we're passing it down um, through generations to generations. um, And those trauma responses that we've learned or those defense mechanisms that we've had to have that we've had to cultivate to get through the trauma historically, we're still using today. Um, so these, you know, maladaptive coping skills um, and just, you know, there's race-based traumatic stress that's very similar to PTSD. So we're, we're essentially Black and Brown people are walking around with PTSD um, 
dealing with racism, right? So it's like we're constantly in this hypervigilant state. Um, and then dealing with, you know, race-based trauma and race-based stress also um, just increases the likelihood of having other mental health um, disorders. Like there's a higher rate of depression and anxiety. Um, again, the race-based um, stress is like PTSD um, and those maladaptive coping skills like substance abuse, um, you know, disordered eating, all of those things, um, you know, are passed down generation to generation because those were, it's how we've, you know, um, it's how the racism has impacted us. Um, and we've taught our children um, these, you know, maladaptive coping skills and defense mechanisms. Um, so it's just really no escaping the trauma within our community. Let me ask you this then, how specifically do you help people and how do you work differently with a client of color given everything that you just talked about? So I think I get this question a lot because I am identifying myself as POC centering. I believe mental health is um, for everyone, right? I'm very passionate about um, everyone seeking mental health treatment and being, you know, and, and seeking emotional wellness. However, I do center experiences of people of color um, because of all the reasons I've mentioned before with the historical trauma and the racial trauma. Um, and I think a lot of people have wondered, well, does it even matter? Like, why do I need to, if I'm black or a person's black or if a person's Latino, does it matter? if their um, therapist is the same ethnicity or same race as them. Um, and that's just all depends on the person. Um, I do believe that representation matters. Um, I think within communities of color, there's a lot of stigma around um, going to therapy still, even though it's getting better um, with each generation, but there's still a lot of stigma surrounding that. So I think if someone is um, really hesitant about seeking therapy, um, just seeing someone that looks like them, they, you know, it may, um, you know, help them um, get over the anxiety of even starting to, you know, seek therapy. And I also think there's shared experiences when you are belong to the same ethnic or racial group, right? So, that historical trauma, that racial trauma, that race-based stress that I mentioned, those are all things that I'm experiencing as well. So there's shared experience, um, you know, between me and some of my clients. And even if we're not in the same ethnic group, like you can be Haitian American, we're still Black Americans. And so we're still facing some of the similar things, even though the ethnic um, groups may vary, there's still a lot of shared experiences. Um, and I also think when, um, me as a, a black therapist and I have, if I'm having a, another black client, um, I think clients are more, um, or I think therapists of color are probably better able to be culturally sensitive, um, even if it's not necessarily your same culture, just the culture of blackness. Um, but I also think, I think black clinicians and black therapists are, are able to provide more empathy because we share that same experience, right? Um, and I think a lot of times um, people of color, when they're seeking therapy, it's important to them to have a therapist of color because they have a just a distrust of um, the health in in um, you know industry in general. 
um, because historically um, there's been a lot of, you know, racial inequities in healthcare and mental health care. Um, I mean, for a long time, you wouldn't even see a person like me being a therapist, right? It was like very, even when I entered the field 20 years ago, it was very lily white, mostly male. Um, so there was little to no representation. Um, so, you know, I guess people are thinking, why would I go to therapy? I don't even see anyone who looks like me. Um, and then again, the distrust, the healthcare system has always been very white. Um, and so, you know, historically there have been things that have gone on in the healthcare system and mental health care system, like, you know, black people um, being um, not able to access, you know, healthcare. Um, there was a time where um, you know, black and brown people in this country were kind of used essentially as guinea pigs. I mean, just to name a few things, Henrietta Lacks and the Tuskegee Airmen. So people, historically, we've seen that we've not really been treated well in the healthcare system or even received quality healthcare. So I think um, having therapists that looks like you kind of put some of that, you know, uh, distrust at ease. Um, and just like I said, I think it's all about having someone that you feel comfortable with and feeling like you wouldn't be judged or that someone shares your experiences. I think all those reasons are why people um, tend to seek out therapists that, um, you know, look like them or in the same ethnic or racial group as them. And what does treatment look like? You know, when a client comes to you with these issues of race-based trauma, what are the steps that you take to help them through that? I think the first step for me is always validation. Um, I center and validate um, black and brown feelings and experiences and emotions. I think a lot of the trauma that comes from racism is the fact that it's always questioned, right? Like when we call it out, it's like, well, is it really racism? Are you making it up? So I think it's very important for me and any therapist, especially um, when you're dealing with a person of color and they're talking about their racial trauma, I think validation is key. Um, so the first thing I do is always validate, validate experiences. Um, and then I work with clients to help process that trauma. A lot of times we, we bury that trauma and we say, well, you know, it is what it is and, you know, racism happens, so oh well, and we try to, you know, let it roll off our back, but it doesn't. It, it impacts our mental and physical health. So a lot of my work with clients is um, dealing with trauma, especially racial trauma, is just processing, you know, talking about what happened, processing it out. Um, you know, allowing people to feel and connect with their emotions behind that trauma. Um, so it's validating and it's, um, you know, processing and then, you know, trying to move uh, towards healing and whatever that looks like for a client. Um, most of the time, just, you know, being validated and, and processing is enough for people to start to heal. Sometimes they need, you know, help, a better, healthier coping mechanisms if they're engaged in some unhealthy coping mechanisms. So it's about, for me, validation, processing, and healing. And I know that you touched on some of the inequities that are in the healthcare system, but what about stigma? Do you think that there's more of a stigma surrounding these issues for Black Americans that, you know, puts up a, another barrier towards getting treatment? Yeah, absolutely. Mental health or mental illness has such a, a, a negative connotation to it that people automatically assume, oh, you're mental ill, oh, you're crazy. Um, so they think of it as mental illness as opposed to mental wellness. Um, and just like you would go to a doctor to get a wellness visit, you know, or checkup, 
the same with your mental health, like health is health and there's no physical health without mental health. So I think just a lack of psychoeducation, a lack of knowing what actual disorders are um, feeds into stigma. Also, I think um, um, in the black community, um, I can speak to because that's my community, there's this stigma of um, mental health because we're supposed to be strong, right? We survived so much, our ancestors were enslaved and having to deal with civil rights and we're still dealing with racism to this day. So we've, we've, we pride ourselves on being such a strong um, people um, so that I think when, it, when, when someone is struggling um, with their mental health, it's almost seen as a weakness. So I think that, that um, what we pride ourselves in, our strength, I think people don't realize that their strength um, and asking for help um, there's their strength and and trying to grow, and I also think that also comes into play when it comes to parents. Like, um, I think parents, if they see that their children are needing some mental health support, I think they take it um, as a personal failure. Like they did something wrong, they're parenting, um, and it's a shameful thing to have a child that's going through you know, some kind of, you know, mental health crisis or need some mental health support. Um, so I think parents take it personally, like I failed as a parent. This is why my child has a mental disorder. So they might not seek help um, like they should. And also, I think another barrier is that we Black people are people of very strong faith. Um, and so oftentimes we think, oh, we can just pray it away. Um, you know, we, we don't need to go to therapy. We can go to our pastor you know, now there's more uh, more counselors who identify as spiritual counselors who are actually, you know, trained counselors, but also who infuse, um, you know, um, faith and spirituality into their practice. So I think that's helped a little bit in that aspect, but there's still a huge um, section of my community who just believes, you know, we can, we take everything to God. Like we don't need to, you know, go to therapy. So I think all those things, you know, are, are huge barriers um, within communities of color. Also, um, just systematically, the school to prison pipeline. So children are, children of color are criminalized more so than their white counterparts. So you can have a child in school who, you know, maybe just, you know, displaying um, certain behaviors that are being seen as aggressive or disruptive. Um, and because they're children of color, they're criminalized for them instead of noticing, hey, these are reactions um, to possible trauma. Um, and so they're not, they're pushed out of school and they're pushed, usually if they're pushed out of school, they enter, you know, the criminal justice system because they've already been criminalized, you know, at school. Um, and so when you go to prison, there's, you really don't get the help that you need, right? Um, there was a quote on forget who said it, someone said, you know, black folks go to prison, white folks go to rehab. So, you know, because of all the racial inequality in this country, Black people don't even get a chance to get the support and the help they need. Is there anything that you would want to say right now to people of color who maybe are considering seeking out mental health treatment or maybe even aren't? Yes. So I feel like it's, you know, very important to urge Black and brown people to really really make your mental health a priority, especially, you know, um, in these times where we're dealing with so much, you know, inequality and racism um, and hate and bigotry. I really encourage you guys to really look after your mental health. Um, 
it's important for you to take care of yourself. So self-care, and I know it sounds so cheesy and it's everyone's buzzword now, but self-care is so important. Um, Audre Lorde said, you know, self-care is a revolution, you know, a revolutionary act. Um, in a society where people of color were never even meant to survive, it's, you know, kind of a middle finger to the system for us to be thriving. Um, and in order for us to thrive, we have to, you know, you know, you know, process and heal our trauma. So starting to do that um, and break some of those generational, you know, cycles um, of trauma that we've been passing down, um, that's the way that we can thrive. Um, and as a community, we need to heal. And in order, you know, to heal, we need to just start to take care of ourselves and, and make mental health a priority. So I'm urging all Black and Brown people to you know, be well, take care of your mental health, seek treatment um, if you need treatment and support. Um, and let's keep talking about mental health and fighting against these stigmas so that um, we can thrive as um, a community. Kimberly, I wanna thank you so much for your time and for all the great work you do. It's been really great to speak to you this morning. Thank you, thank you so much, it's been a pleasure. That was Kimberly Amazu, a mental health counselor who helps people of color deal with racial trauma. This has been Community Dialogues. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. I'm Rebecca Gutierrez. Thank you for listening.